Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody. You have tuned in to episode number 334 of the most dangerous and terrific podcast on the internet about amateur radio. This is Linux in the Ham Shack, episode number 334, as I believe I just said. Mm-hmm. Am I am I already repeating myself? Good. You're it's going to be a good night. You're already repeating yourself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I like the new edition of Dangerous. Dangerous, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dangerous. I think I kind of stole that a little bit from Dave Letterman, but it's okay. He's not doing his thing anymore. Yeah, whatever. But uh, we have... The usual cast of characters and a special guest tonight. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD. And we got a request earlier in the day on our Discord to talk a little bit about GNU Radio. It's something we have mentioned on the show before, but we have never done a deep dive into it. And to be honest, uh, other than knowing a little bit about it personally, um, we probably should know more. Uh, it's a project that's been around for a while. So uh, I put out a frantic last-minute call for anybody who knows something about GNU Radio to come on the show. And amazingly enough, we had a taker. So <laughs> let me introduce uh, our guest for tonight, Derek Kozel, uh, Kilo Zero Zulu Echo Limo, or his favorite call sign, Mike Whiskey Zero Lima November Alpha, uh, all the way from the British Isles. Uh, thanks for being here, Derek. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, it is uh, coming in from Cardiff here, uh, Cardiff, Wales, and uh, great to be on the podcast. I've listened to a bunch of years before, and um, yeah, seeing the the post come into the uh, IRC channel was uh, good fun about, what, three hours ago? <laughs> <laughs> yep, because we're on top of things. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or uh, something. Yeah. And then... Uh, when I when I told everyone that I had found a guest, um, they were all aghast. And when I told them that that guest had actually listened to the program, Bill put up his big lies gif. <laughs> 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 so um, you have that to contend with. Uh, but anyway, I guess since it's really late for you, we should probably kind of just get right into it. So what we usually do when we have a guest is we have the guest, you know, do a little talking about themselves, a little self-promotion, and uh, sort of tie that into why you're the guest for the topic at hand, like what you do with the project and so on and so forth. So if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, uh, maybe a little bit about your amateur radio career and stuff like that, and then uh, how you can help us understand GNU Radio. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Here's where I thought we were going to be talking about GNU Radio. Um, th- this part actually will end up sounding uh, almost too good to be true. And it's one of those just stories that you can't make up uh, even if you tried. So uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm Derek. Uh, I, when I was trying to apply for university initially, uh, I was not a ham. I didn't know whether I wanted to go on the computer science side of things or electrical engineering. And so as I was applying to universities, I was almost literally flipping a coin and just saying, oh, I'll apply to CS here and double E over on this one. And when I finally got accepted to university, it was for uh, electrical engineering. And I was totally convinced that I was going to go full on digital electronics, do some programming, and, and that was going to be it. Uh, and then I made a critical mistake that I suspect uh, most members of the audience will have made at some point in their life. Uh, I took the wrong turn and ended up in the ham shack. Uh, <laughs> and so that was uh, the Carnegie Tech Radio Club, uh, W3VC in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And it uh, showed up, great crowd, great group of people. Um, the club's been around forever. I mean, like 1914-type uh, forever. And so they were tucked away at the top corner of a building. And right as you go in, you come through the door, and there was just workbenches all along the back. And you had, you know, all the classic boat anchors. You had some decent but old test gear towards the end. And right as you'd come in, though, there was this computer just sitting there, and it had this little black box on it. And nobody nobody knew how to use this computer or the black box. Uh, and I, I didn't end up figuring it out before the end of my uh, undergrad career. Uh, but I took a look at it, and it said, uh, Edis Research USRP. And that's as far as I got with it. So I'm like, okay, this black box. Got my ham license. Uh, entertainingly, of all things, I ended up with um, KJ6FOS as my first call sign. And if I had realized how much uh, free and open source software I was going to end up doing, I might have just kept that call. But uh, <laughs> ended up... Ended up losing it, uh, upgraded from tech to, ah, I've been in the UK long enough, I can't remember. Tech general, got my extra, um, graduated from that club, uh, went to my master's, uh, and ended up doing software-defined radio for the first time. And this was when the light bulb kicked in. Oh, that black box was, was a software-defined radio. Still didn't know much about it, um, but I... Joined the W6 CMU club. I uh, actually helped start it during my master's, and that was out in California. Um, Carnegie Mellon had a uh, West Coast campus there, uh, and um, so that was great fun. And that was my first encounter with GNU Radio. I one of the courses I took was on evolutionary algorithms, um, just how can you make a computer try and figure things out on its own. Um, and I used GNU Radio to do the simulation. And we'll get, I'm sure, when we get actually the GNU Radio part, uh, you know, how does that work? What role does it have? Um, but for me, right from the beginning of my amateur radio uh, career, as it were, I have been using software-defined radio. And so it's ended up being this really nice mix of the electrical engineering, the computer science, uh, and then <laughs> it was entirely amateur radio's fault that I ended up doing uh, as much analog electronics as I have. And I, I then kind of made a career out of it. I've worked for a couple years um, actually at Edis Research building software-defined radios and then um, <laughs> ended up working remote and that, that did not float my boat. So um, about a year and a half ago now, uh, made the jump, left uh, working, went back to university and I'm now doing a PhD 
here at Cardiff University um, doing uh, RF power amplifiers and still using Guinea radio, still using software-defined radio for a lot of that testing. And now we have the uh, Carnegie Mellon, or sorry, uh, Cardiff University Amateur Radio Society uh, GC0CDF, which got started up in the last year. So absolutely batty for amateur radio. And it's one of those things where GNU Radio and SDR have just been with me since day zero. All right. Fantastic. So it sounds like you're just the person we need to talk about this. Um, <laughs> seems like he's qualified. It seems, it seems like your credentials are authentic. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so very good. But um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read right from the website of GNU Radio. And then we're going to ask you the big question before we get into the smaller, more detailed questions. <laughs> so GNU Radio, according to its website, says it's a free and open source software development toolkit that provides signal processing blocks to implement software radios. It can be used with readily available low-cost external RF hardware to create software-defined radios or, without hardware, in a simulation-like environment. It is widely used in research industry, academia, government, and hobbyist environments to support both wireless communications research and real-world radio systems. So that's uh, that's the marketing speak. So now we ask we ask our expert who's here with us tonight the big question: What is GNU Radio? So I think the the key word that's in there, uh, other than free and open source, uh, is toolkit. I uh, it is not a full-on application. So if you've ever used um, trying to think of, of good examples here, but if you ever used, you know, a, an SDR program that you just install and run, like, like an RTL, Qt SDR, or GQRX, or those things. Yeah, uh, SDR Angel is another another great one that if you haven't run across, you should give a shot. Um, those are applications, and the analogy that I like to pull out is, you know, you you can go to a store and you can buy a ham radio. You know, you can buy, you know, your your Kenwood base station or whatever. It's got lots of features, and you can add on to it and stuff like that, but you are not going to fundamentally build your own radio that way. The new radio is is the totally DIY side of things. You know, it'll give you a mixer, it'll give you an amplifier, it'll give you a filter, but it has none of that pre-assembled. Uh, you, you have to take these pieces and, and plug them together. So it's a framework for building radio applications in software. So... That being said, and don't think I'm going to go down through these bullet points in order because that never happens. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Surprise. Um, so you're talking about building a radio entirely in software in these simulation-like environments. So what does that look like? Um, I'm trying to think of what most people will have come across. Uh, but it looks... the so. There's a tool called GNU Radio Companion, and that is probably the number one thing that people think of when they think GNU Radio, if they've ever encountered it before. And this is a canvas that you have on your computer. You drag and drop blocks, and one of these blocks will be a filter, one of them will be a microphone input, one of them will be actually the radio connection, and I'm sure we'll get to that. And you literally draw lines from one block to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, that defines the order, you know, what's going to happen to your signal from the moment it's, you know, you're speaking into a microphone until the moment it gets transmitted out onto the air. So are you talking about something that's like a CAD type system or like uh, something that gives you like fundamental blocks that you put together in like a schematic or a flow chart to, to build a system? Yeah, 
Yeah, and we call it a flow graph. Um, so it is, yeah, actually thinking of it as a computer-assisted design is is pretty accurate. You are instructing, you're, you're drawing the connections, but then when you actually hit run, the new radio then takes that graph you've built up, that connection of blocks, and it actually writes a program for you. So it's running Python and C++ under the hood, uh, and then launches that that program. Okay, so what does the program do say in the absence of a software defined radio i mean as far as as far as any hardware at all other than the computer you're running it on so if you have only the computer uh then you are running a pure simulation uh and you can compose any sort of signal that you might want to broadcast uh and then instead of actually broadcasting it it's it's all just still a series of numbers on your computer so if you think of uh, like a modern oscilloscope where it's doing uh, digital sampling, you don't get a complete trace. You know, the, the oscilloscope's lying to you. Uh, you may be measuring a continuous wave, but what you're actually getting is a whole bunch of points that are evenly spaced, evenly spaced measurements. Uh, and so that's a discrete time signal. You have discrete steps in your signal. And that's what GNU Radio is working on. It's just generating a whole bunch of numbers could think of these as kind of voltage measurements, um, but they're just numbers until you actually get a radio. Okay. I don't know if that's helped. <laughs> at well, all. <laughs> no, it, it, it doesn't particularly help me, but I'm hoping my next question will put that into some sort of context. In so, so in that purely theoretical world that you've created, where it's uh, taking some input and processing it in the order which you have then defined, how does that get you from the purely theoretical to actually producing like an SDR piece of hardware or does it? Okay. So it does. Uh, and I'm trying to, here's normally when I reach for the nearest whiteboard and start scribbling. <laughs> um, oh, good. We're going to test how good you are at <laughs> condensing this into audio. <laughs> this is all a pop quiz. Right. Uh, audio is actually probably the best, the best thing to think of here. Um, we're, we're recording this podcast, uh, and everything is being recorded as discrete digital signals. Um, you know, you're ending up with a wave file or equivalent that has the recording of our speech in it. And then if you want to change that back into sound waves, you have to put it out through a sound card, which is just a digital to analog converter. Um, software defined radios are just high speed digital to analog converters. And then some extra hardware to actually get it up to the RF frequency. So, okay, maybe you can, uh, I mean, you've probably done this before. I mean, you're working on a PhD in, uh, in this space, I gather. Um, so maybe just a quick outline of how you would start like at the, at the theoretical, the building to actually putting out a piece of hardware and I, I don't mean you have to get down into like uh, this is the company in China you recruit to actually put out the piece of you know <laughs> kit that you're going to buy. I recommend the uh, you know, HC forty seven eighty three you know resistor in this part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, just maybe a couple of brief steps on how you get from uh, building your flow graph uh, to yeah. actually having a piece of hardware that can receive RF. Okay, so well. Uh, let's let's think of this kind of the other way around then. Let's if you want to go on the receiving side. Uh, so 
You okay, transmit our app. Does that help? <laughs> well, either way, either way let's, let's pick our direction. Okay. Um, on the receive side, you've got your antenna, uh, and that's capturing your electromagnetic wave. It's gotten voltage on it is fundamentally what, what we end up with, right? You know, you, there's current running around. We've got voltage. This is our, our radio wave that's been captured by the antenna. Uh, then maybe we have a low noise amplifier. We have a filter to select out just the frequency band that we we actually care about. Um, we have a local oscillator and a mixer to to bring it back down to to close to DC because nobody wants to listen to single sideband uh, you know at, at the raw 50 megahertz um, or whatever you know we we want it down at at the audio realm and so that's that's what we call baseband uh, that's. You've taken your RF frequency, you've taken your, your filtered bandpass, you've moved that down low in frequency. But it's still a voltage wave uh, on some wire somewhere. So then we're going to go through an analog to digital converter, and that's actually going to sample that voltage at probably millions of times a second, so much faster than your um, microphone's sound card, or the, mic the sound card is sampling microphone. And so this is going to give us more bandwidth. More samples per second means more bandwidth. So this is how an SDR can like grab all the HF bands in one go if it's sampling fast enough. And at that point, it's just a stream of numbers that if you plotted it on a graph, you would end up with an oscilloscope trace. You'd end up with voltage over time. You can then do a whole bunch of different math operations, and you can demodulate single sideband. You can receive FT8. You can you know, do digital video broadcast uh, and actually get a video stream. Once you have this raw voltage waveform, you have all the information of what was in that original radio spectrum. And then it's just a question of what math operations do you do? So that's the software defined radio part. You can pick what sort of demodulator you want entirely in software because you have the raw information of what was what was actually broadcast. All right. Um... I got to admit my my electronic theory is a little weak, <laughs> uh, but I'm sort of following that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hopefully this will kind of stack over time and and make sense. I uh, well, we're going to do our best to to get to uh, some understanding by the end. Uh, so let me just ask this question real quick so we can get it out of the way. You mentioned that uh, Python and C++ are the primary programming languages for the, the various pieces of GNU Radio. So what is the license of it? Uh, it's GPLv3. Uh, all of it? All of it. All of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All of, The entire main project is GPLv3. Uh, there are is an entire ecosystem of, of third-party code, and that's, of course, just GPLv3 compatible. Most of it's GPLv3. Um, and then there's a sub-module to the project called Volk. That's uh, GPLv3 as well. All right, very good. Uh, we'll probably have you bring that back up at the end because I don't have any information about that, and it's not in my bullet points. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit more just about the software generally, uh, the actual GNU Radio package that you can download and install on your computer at home to, to do work with. Uh, what platforms does it actually support? The best support definitely is is on Linux, um, and you know it runs CentOS, Free FreeBSD, Ubuntu, Debian, just about everywhere. Um, next up comes uh, OSX. Uh, it runs well on Macs. The ecosystem's pretty mature there. 
Uh, I believe it's under Mac ports. Uh, on Windows, it is possible. Uh, there are packaged binary installers, and the source code does compile, although it takes an extraordinary amount of hard disk, and you end up basically building Python from scratch. And oh, fun. Say it's the best thing ever. <laughs> but there's scripts for it, so it, it works. And it's it's something that we are working on, and there's like bits and pieces of really good progress, but fundamentally, pretty much everyone who works on it all uh, as a core contributor is running it on Linux or Mac, and so we we have a bit of a gap in our knowledge. Oh well, that's okay. I mean, we we focus on the Linux here, obviously, so that's not a problem. And I have to say, one thing that has never crossed my mind was building Python on Windows. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I, it just ships now. Yeah, it's okay. just packaged in the Windows Store. It's like times are changing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like part of Visual Studio and everything else now, so it's everywhere. Well, I don't know if you've heard, but Bill Gates is behind the coronavirus. So, <laughs> ooh, ooh, we're not going there. <laughs> okay, all right, we should. <laughs> Let's get back to GNU Radio. So, I, I was looking through the wiki um, on GNU Radio, and it uh, is actually a nicely fleshed out wiki. It has lots of really good information in there. Unlike some other project wikis that I've seen, um, Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did notice that at least uh, from the Python part of it, which I'm guessing is a lot of sort of uh, front end overlays and uh, utilities that use GNU Radio on the back end, there were quite a few of them. Can you sort of outline some of those and what they do? The structure of GNU Radio, um, and this is where it's important to remember that there's GNU Radio as a toolkit, and then there's GNU Radio Companion as as the graphical layer that most people are familiar with. GNU Radio has a, a core contract that everything is going to be available in C++. So if you want to, you can write an application entirely in C++. Most people don't. They like Python. Python's convenient. Um, and so layered on top of that C++ is a layer of Python. So you can anything that you can do in C++, you can do in Python. Very, very few exceptions. The new radio companion is this graphical application that we have that actually allows you to drag and drop the blocks down, draw the connections between them, uh, and then click generate. Click the generate button. It actually applies templates in the blocks and auto-generates a bunch of code for you, and you end up with just a, a Python file as, as your GNU radio application or your application generated that uses GNU radios probably guess a better way of phrasing it. Um, and then you could just do, you know, Python space file name.py, and it would run your, your application, run your flow graph. In terms of other... Go on. No, 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 you go right ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that the, in terms of other Python applications that you may have run into, there's like a filter design tool um, and a few other helper functions. Um, there's a, a mod tool for creating new... Uh, out of tree modules are our third party plugins um and stuff like that but there's there's not i don't recall us having that many other um uh kind of standalone python applications okay that's fair and i don't claim to understand any of this that's why we're talking with you <laughs> you mentioned uh, sdr angel and i mentioned qt sdr and gqrx which you may or may not know very much about any of those applications specifically but 
is GNU Radio like the underlying toolkit or underlying library that powers any of those applications to connect your, you know, the graphical user interface for those apps to the physical hardware on the back end? Yes. Um, so with GQRX, it is as simple as saying that it is entirely built using GNU Radio under the hood. Um, there's a whole bunch of really great you know, graphical code that's on top of it that it does wonderful features. And I think that there may be some custom digital signal processing uh, in it to do some of the features that GNU Radio doesn't have, have natively. But all of the core signal processing and the interfacing out to radios for GQRX is all done using GNU Radio. Uh, with the other applications, sometimes they have GNU Radio available as a plugin. Uh, or they use some portion of GNU Radio, um, but they're they're pretty much built using their own frameworks. With GQRX, for example, um, since you mentioned that it's uh, almost pure implementation of GNU Radio, obviously it supports uh, some number of SDR hardware devices, maybe close to all of them, maybe not, I'm not sure. But is that because someone has built um using a new radio interfaces to all of that hardware or does it sort of is is it sort of more flexible about what hardware it can interface with every radio that um is supported within GNU radio is supported because somebody at some point whether it's the manufacturer or am or it's just somebody who had a radio and wanted it supported has gone in and, and written some glue code they've written the interface from that GNU Radio can use to call into the radio. Most of these come with with drivers as a library that you can just call into. And so GNU Radio will have some very basic bit of code that just says, set the frequency, start receiving. I want this much gain. Can you, maybe this will help a little bit for me and for everyone else who's listening. Can, <laughs> can, you, can you liken GNU Radio in any way to HamLive? So entertainingly, I was... Just thinking of trying to add Hamlib support for Hamlib support for into GNU Radio. GNU Radio would use Hamlib, I uh, rather than being similar to it, I uh, because Hamlib's job is to act as that uh, abstraction layer between the hardware and whatever application wants to end up using it. Um, GNU Radio is kind of the application that wants to use a piece of hardware. And so somebody has to write the the abstraction layer that lets GNU Radio interface with it. So GNU Radio would run above Hamlib in that in that sort of scenario. Okay, that actually made it way worse for me. (laughs) (laughs) If if you want to just use a radio, you could write a really simple C program to just read those voltage values or just send a series of voltages out to the radio to transmit, you know, like you might receive and send audio to, you know, a Kenwood rig over, um, I've forgotten the, the classic, uh, interface box, the rig boxes. Are you talking about like the audio interface devices, like the Tigertronics and that kind of thing? Yeah. 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 That's what I'm trying to get to. Um, so yeah. So, you know, if you're like, we have so many sound card digital modes, you know, where, uh, like APRS, where, you are, actually, I shouldn't say that. I'm going to get in trouble because I know Kenneth Finnegan will 
listen to this and, and <laughs> jump on me if I say anything APRS. Well, we have at least uh, one listener. I'm excited. <laughs> um, we, we have lots of modes uh, where it's just sound data being then modulated onto uh, like an SSB channel or something like that. And, and so the, the computer generates audio and pushes it out to the rig. Um, and the rig doesn't care what the sound is that's coming in. It's just playing that audio onto the channel. I, and so GNU radio is what you would use to actually generate the FT8 or generate, um, you know, RIDI or, or SSB, whatever you wanted there. The radio doesn't care what it's transmitting. It's just going to transmit whatever the stream of data is that you send it. Um, and so GNU radio also doesn't really care how the radio actually works internally. It just wants to know where can I send a bunch of data to. Um, so if a radio just opened up a TCP port and just said, send me anything here, the GNU radio interface to the actual hardware could be just as simple as opening a network socket and dumping data down to it. Okay, I'm probably so, not making anything better. No, no, that actually that actually helped me a little bit. But okay. are you are you saying that GNU radio can actually generate FT8 signal? Yes. Okay, so can and it that, generate? And that is the point of GNU radio. Okay, so it can generate any kind of digital mode signal. Yes. And that that is what it does. That is the point of GNU radio as a project is to enable you to to create the the process to generate whatever sort of communication protocol you want whether that's what? ft8 or whether that's digital video or gps why didn't you just say that at the beginning we've got 24 minutes before we go on air right <laughs> uh no that's fantastic so so like do do projects like uh d star and stuff use GNU radio for that or do they have their own thing d star's fun because of of patents right <laughs> um, <laughs> There does exist uh, a GR D-Star implementation that actually uses those little AMBE USB drive, USB hardware, if you might have seen them. Mm -hmm. Okay. The DB so, dongles and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So those handle the patented super proprietary part of D-Star, and that's just the voice codec. So GNU Radio will use its standard microphone in, car in input block, grab your sound card data, shove it down to the USB hardware encoder that'll give you AMBE audio stream back out. Then you have to do the actual like four-tone FSK. I'm pretty sure that's what D-Star is. Um, along with the header bits and the tail bits and synchronization and, and the rest of the stuff that composes the actual D-Star modulated protocol. And then at the end of that, it'll just have, again, a voltage waveform, and it sends that out to the radio to transmit. So you're not saying someone's reverse-engineered the AMB and it's recreating it in open source, right? I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do that. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to make sure. Because <laughs> it sounded like when you started off there that um, you were kind of going in that direction, and then you said, oh, you have to push it to the AMB chip. <laughs> it's certainly something that GNU Radio could do. Um, but nobody has done AMBE purely in GNU Radio. Right. Well, it, like anything, it's just a, it's a protocol or a whatever. So it's, it's a codec. Yeah, it's a codec. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the information is there. So it's always possible, yeah. but, you know, you're not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So let, let me, uh, since we're talking about, uh, proprietary things, <laughs> let's poke a little more fun at, uh, flex like we used to do or always do. Um, so does GNU radio, does flex use GNU radio? Flex does not use GNU radio. Um, but I, it certainly could. And the reason why it can is because flex radios, unlike most other rigs out there, actually give you the raw IQ data. So that's the that's the encoded voltage waveform. My most rigs have this internally now. I mean, my my HF rig is a Anwood TS590S, and it's a software-defined radio inside the box. They don't let you play with it. Uh, Flex Radio does. So you can actually stream this voltage waveform to the radio or from the radio. And in we I've gotten this just barely working. You can ingest that. You can you know take that into GNU Radio, and then you can demodulate SSB. You can mo- demodulate JT65 in GNU Radio using Flex Radio as the source of the data. So so if you had a Flex Radio and you were taking that voltage stream into GNU radio and you wanted to demodulate it and hear it, what would you do on this side of that equation to do so? So I flex radio operates over network streams. So you would open up, you would inside of GNU radio, you could open up a uh, like TCP source. So in GNU radio terms, source is something that produces data. So in this case, the radio is producing data going to grab a, a TCP stream of that and that's going to now be into GNU radio. In your flow graph you'd go from the TCP source into something that would unpackage their network format and what you'd be left with at the end of that block would be the raw voltage waveform. From that you'd probably put bandpass filter or something like that because you probably don't care about the full, you know, couple hundred kilohertz worth of bandwidth. You really only want Three kilohertz, six kilohertz. You know how hi-fi does your your single sideband end up going? I so you'd filter off all the extra, reduce your sample stream down to just that six kilohertz worth of bandwidth, and then put an envelope detector on it. You could run it into whatever that next demodulator would be. Um, and you know if we're keeping it nice and simple, you know AM or something, you do your envelope detection and you're left with just an audio waveform at the end of that. And he'd put that into a audio sync because we're going to take this audio data and we're going to output it to your sound card. So, so does GNU radio do all of that? Can it take the thing and do the bandpass filtering and the demodulation and push the audio waveform, say into like pulse audio stream or, or pulse audio sync and you just hear it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yes. Um and what's what I particularly love about it is that's what you would do if you knew what you wanted to do. <laughs> right. Most most of the time I sit down at a bench, I have no clue what I'm doing or why I'm doing it or how I'm going to do it. And so the first thing I'll put down is I'll I'll get, you know, that stream coming from the radio and I'll just put it onto a waterfall and I'll just say, Are there any signals here? Uh, and so there's a we use QT as our GUI framework. So there's a QT waterfall sync. You just throw that in, boom, and you've got a waterfall of the entire band of the radio. So you could be looking at a couple hundred kilohertz, or I've got radios upstairs that have 200 megahertz of bandwidth. 
now all of a sudden you're looking at you know uh 50 meg to uh 150 or you know 250 meg uh and i'll just look at the whole thing and say oh there's a signal here you know some some little bit and then i'll pass it into a bandpass filter and filter and then i'll look at it again on a waterfall and i'll say ah looks a lot like you know fm you know narrowband fm or something like that and then i'll just build it kind of piece by piece by piece but at every point you can put what functionally is a spectrum analyzer into your flow graph and you can actually see what's going on at each step in the demodulation so for me that that continues to be a huge learning experience so GNU Radio can actually do things like plot a spectrum analyzer output of a incoming signal. Yes, yeah. So here, here's where I really wish uh, we had a, a you know a YouTube companion video to this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we, we can we can probably do that. <laughs> I will so take you up on that. You can div- not only do you have GNU Radio companion for assembling flow graph, but the flow graph can contain graphical elements in it. Um, and so you assemble these, you do these elements into it and they can be waterfall sinks. They can be spectrum plots. They can be, uh, amplitude over time plots, you know, a time sink. And that, you know, that's kind of your classic, uh, oscilloscope type plot. But then it can have range sliders, knobs, frequency dials, um, you know, uh, (laughs) radar scanning plots. There's a whole library of, of these graphical elements that are already within the software. And so then when so you'd click generate, it would create a Python program that has all your connections and your blocks and bits in it. When you actually run that, it'll it'll launch your own completely custom, designed by you, but implemented using GNU Radio application. And it might look like GQRX. Probably not as nice, because we don't have quite all of his widgets in the native pack. <laughs> but uh, it's not bad for 15 minutes of work right so okay um i'm going to sort of go off script here and say as far as you know in a close to pure gnu radio implementation what would be a piece of software that that is as close to 100 percent pure gnu radio would someone recognize as being that is being that thing that that is end user functional so i don't know of anyone who is shipping an application that is is just pure gnu radio without any sort of you know hand massaging of the code um there's certainly lots of stuff running around um from individuals and from from hams and you know from small groups where they've assembled things there's there's um this is terrible. I'm going to have to look up his name and, and get you to put it in the notes. There's a ham who operates a 10 gigahertz portable SDR station. And he's written a an application called Soda Radio. Uh, and that's essentially 100% GNU Radio. He's done extremely minimal bits of, of massaging it. And then probably the one that, that may be of most interest to people is... GR satellites. So that's developed by um, Daniel Estevez, uh, EA4GPZ, uh, and he's he's a ham who's just really interested in satellites. And so he's used GNU Radio to implement demodulators for 
I, I was going to say dozens, but I think he's passed a hundred different satellites that all operate in the amateur radio bands. And so you can actually get the telemetry data and, you know, if there's audio data, you can get the audio data. And he's using a hundred percent the new radio for that. Oh, it's all very exciting. I just, I'm honestly kind of at a loss of where to go from there. Um, the, the really popular like digital application or digital modes that are out there now, like uh, FT8, FT4, JS65, JT65 and all that stuff. Um, were these all things that use GNU radio to, for development or are these people doing their own codex uh, implementation and stuff like that? As far as you know, they're, they're doing their own thing, um, for the FT8, uh, JT65. Cause that's, here's again, where my, my inability to remember nouns comes and kicks me. Um, Joe Taylor, right. Uh, is, yeah. is the, the guy who's He's been leading a lot of that effort uh, in developing those modes. Uh, he writes everything in Fortran um, and, uh, yeah, has been implementing their own stack with that. That's, I'd say that's, that's, I mean, that's a totally reasonable decision. And there's a big difference between, you know, prototyping an application or, or just experimenting and, and assembling something on the bench and then building something that you're going to ship as a product or, you know, as a, which essentially... FT8 is a product, you know, it's free, it's open source, but it's, it's a packaged install that people run. Uh, and that's not to say that GNU Radio can't be used for that, or that it isn't used for that. There's, there's major manufacturers who use GNU Radio inside of their applications. Um, and Analog Devices is one who does it quite publicly, and their, their Scopy application uh, is all using GNU Radio internally. But they put a lot of work into using it as a framework. Uh, most people who are developing something very, very specific might prototype it on GNU Radio, and we, we see lots of that in industry and in academia, but then generally they'll go and implement an optimized version of it specific to their application. All right. Well, that's fair. Uh, before I go on with some of the bullets we've got in here, Bill, have you, uh, have you written down anything you want to ask Derek about? <laughs> I mean, he's he's basically uh, <laughs> checking all the boxes as we're going around. I'm kind of flipping around the wiki and looking at the the various flow diagrams and stuff like that of the the various projects. And now I was just dumpster diving into uh, the GitHub project. And uh, I guess we could uh, also talk uh, if we're almost to a point where we want to switch and talk about Volk, which is part of it. You might want to uh, start talking about that. Yeah, that was one thing I didn't have any bullet points on, and you did bring it up earlier, and I said we would make you talk about it later. So, go ahead. <laughs> so, Volk is uh, the vector library of optimized kernels, and it is a math library written in uh, optimized C++. I maybe C. No, it's C++. And... The thing is that when you're trying to move all of these demodulation operations from hardware into software, you're putting quite a bit of a load on the CPU. You know, you're you're doing some fairly advanced math, potentially on, like I said, 200 plus megahertz worth of bandwidth, uh, and that ends up being really compute intensive. And so, what we were finding is that just writing this in C++ wasn't fast enough. Or, you know, it wasn't, we weren't, we wanted to push it farther. And so this is where all the modern CPUs have SIMD, signal, single instruction multiple decode, 
where you can issue one command out to the processor and have it, you know, multiply multiply each element of an array by its respective element in another array or something like that. So you can do, you know, 60 multiply 64 multiplies with one operation. Much more efficient that way. And so Volk is a library that just implements our most commonly used math functions using these hand-tuned, really high-performance bits of code. And so that exists for uh, AMD64 systems, x86, it exists for ARM, ARM64, and so these different platforms can all get accelerated using Volk. And so it exists as a, as a library that GNU Radio uses. And we're actually trying increasingly to to push it out <laughs> and and tell it to make its own way in the world. Um, not saying it's going to leave the GNU Radio project in any sort of way, but that it will be a library that we hope other applications start using. Right now it's largely, but not entirely, uh, GNU Radio as the user. So right. that'll basically lower the lower the CPU usage in yeah. these uh, in these Volk enabled applications. Yeah, yeah. So um, I went. I don't know if you 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 were following it. Um, it was a, a big hacker conference or hacker uh, campout over the summer, I should say, uh, in Germany, just north of Berlin, the Chaos Communications Congress camp. Um, there's yeah, CC camp. Uh, and a whole bunch of us went out into the German countryside and, and wrote code because it's fun. <laughs> it's always sounds like, sounds like a typical Saturday, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a great ham station there. I've got some photos. Um, it, was, it was good fun. Um, but one of the things I did there was wrote something that would take, um, uh, like if you had a right-hand circular polarized antenna and a left-hand circular polarized antenna, and you wanted to then generate vertical and horizontal polarization this is something you can actually do pretty trivially um with with a bit of math only three or four additions and multiplies to to make it work um so i wrote it in python and got the got it working really quickly um but it could only handle 20 megahertz of bandwidth or so which i mean is plenty if you have an rtl sdr um but if you start getting up to like a Lime SDR or a USRP or Pluto, uh, actually the Pluto is a bad example because it doesn't support more than 20. Um, but some of these higher bandwidth radios, Python wasn't doing it. So I put it into C++. And now we were talking like 160 megahertz of bandwidth, which, yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like you've got all the space in the world until you remember that our, our 10 gigahertz allocation is uh, 10.0 to 10.5 gigahertz. So we have 500 megahertz of bandwidth. You want to stare at the whole spectrum there. You need to go a lot faster than than C++ was giving me. So I threw Volk at it, and now is at about 250 megahertz worth of bandwidth uh, in terms of throughput. So yeah, it, it just lets you push the code that that extra bit farther. You're still up, Bill. Keep going. <laughs> stunned, stunned. Son. I am. I am stunned. <laughs> That's just everybody wants I, I to monitor that much bandwidth at once. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I realize that for many people who may be listening, I uh, the idea of dealing with bandwidths that are larger than a couple megahertz wide. You know, if you look at like our our uh, seventy sems band, I. You're only talking, you know, depending on what country you're in, 
4 megahertz wide, 3 megahertz wide. You know, an RTL can basically digitize the entire band. But something that, that's always been a really big passion for me is, is the 1 gigahertz and above bands. Very quickly in those bands, you start talking about 10 megahertz of bandwidth, 50 megahertz of bandwidth, 500 megahertz of bandwidth. And there's, there's some fundamental restrictions on how much information you can pass given a certain bandwidth. And so if you want to start sending HD video, you know, there's a reason why Wi-Fi is up at 2.4 gigahertz and 5.8 gigahertz. There's a lot more leg, uh, elbow room up there. And, and I love seeing the stuff that amateur radio is starting to do with higher bandwidths in these uh, higher modes. I also realize probably a lot of the audience is in the US, so doesn't get to take advantage of this. But you're in the UK and Europe and Africa and Asia. We have access to the AMSAT Oscar 100 satellite. And people are starting to, you know, hams are starting to do HD video streaming through that. And that's all 2.4 gigahertz and 10 gigahertz. So these, these wide bandwidths are something that we have and we have access to it. And, and I really fear that it's a uh, use it or lose it type scenario. So I, I really hope that we see a lot more people um, experimenting with higher uh, frequency bands. And I think software-defined radio is probably the gateway to that. And I look at Guinea Radio and I say, this is, this is how you learn how to deal with software-defined radio. Like, what, what does software-defined radio actually do and how does it work and stuff like that? And Guinea Radio just lets you lets you tinker with it in a way that other applications don't. It's your breadboard. All right. Well, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> I like this topic a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. And I think we definitely should, uh, if we can, in the next little while. I mean, we don't we don't do YouTube things live, so I mean, we could schedule that at any time. But I would love to sort of have a supplement to this that we could do with a video presentation so you could actually show some of how GNU Radio does all the things you've talked about at this point. Although I do think you've done a pretty good job of painting the picture without actual video so far. Well, I'm, I'm glad I've made it that far. And um, something that is already live on YouTube is all the videos from the GNU Radio conference. Um, and... There's definitely a few that are there that are um, from our new user days, which are the Mondays. Uh, and so there's there's definitely places that people can go and just see GNU Radio in action. Um, actually, just last year, uh, Daniel Estevez gave a talk um, on GR satellites. I, I'm My brain is freezing now, and I'm trying to remember whether that was actually at Fosdom this spring. I know he gave one there. Uh, but there's, there's definitely a video of him talking about using GNU radio so i i would that's a great place there's already videos <laughs> but we should do another one yeah we definitely you, you can't have too much content right i mean <laughs> especially now when there's nothing else to do um <laughs> so um i i have a few links that are in the show notes uh that'll be posted when this goes live but uh do you have any uh, maybe you could even mention the ones that are here if you want to, but um, good resources for maybe new newbies and seasoned uh, new radio people alike to to visit. Um, so I can see that you have the tutorials on there. Um, 
a bunch of those have just been redone. Uh, more of them are being updated. I, they are really quite good in terms of they start assuming that you know next to nothing about uh, digital signal processing and, and how does this all work. It then does go rather vertical um, because there's the entire challenge of teaching people how to use GNU Radio as a toolkit. You know, how do you drag and drop things? How do you program this? And then there's teaching people, you know, communications theory. What is AM? What is EM? How do you generate FSK? How do you synchronize to a to an incoming signal? That's really out of scope. Um, so we've got some great books. We have a link uh, to some good books, and I can I can drop some into the notes here as well. Uh, and some of those are freely available online. Um, yeah, uh, the tutorials is really the best place. Um, that and then uh, hit up our YouTube channel and, and watch some of the GNU Radio conference videos. Some of them right. will be complete Greek. Some of them will be, uh, you know, applications you don't care about at all. But some of them are, <laughs> are really interesting and really good. Well, that's okay. Not everything is uh, something to everybody. So yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Um, let's see. Uh, for people who are interested in playing around with this stuff and who suddenly discover that they're at a point where they need some assistance, where can they get that assistance? Uh, the same place you found me, uh, the GNU Radio IRC channel on Freenode uh, is probably the fastest way of, of finding somebody to give you an opinion uh, on your on what you're doing. There is a Slack gateway for that. Um, and so all that's on the wiki, which is I see in your resources list. So if you go into the wiki, you'll be able to find the IRC and Slack links to getting on there. We have a mailing list uh, that is very active. Um, it's it's actually still genuinely to this day astonishing to me who responds when you post uh, a link. Um, but you you know we we get students posting what's clearly like a second year undergrad you know question uh, and all of a sudden the the author of the textbook that they're using in class will respond and go ah yes <laughs> <laughs> um, but conversely you'll also end up with me responding you'll end up with other other core devs responding um, and I'm gonna cheat and uh, you know look look down at the next item list on on the list and say um my community contribution is is highly encouraged um we're not perfect at it i don't think there are many projects that are perfect but we know that we have some some area left to go but it is super friendly the people are really great and in the end like most software projects like most open source software projects you know, there is no us and and you, there, there is all we. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just a poor sucker who a couple of years ago got too interested in this, and and I'm still here. But we have like the people who are, are redoing the tutorials right now. Uh, one of them showed up out of absolute nowhere on the mailing list about a year ago, then joined Slack, got into the documentation channel, and has been doing a stellar job. Barry could is definitely a ham. <laughs> I, I could poke at you and say, why are you using Slack? But I won't do that. <laughs> Be, because we have not switched over to Mattermost or Matrix yet. And that is entirely down to not having had a volunteer um, who has the time enough to, to switch us over. 
it's something that we really strongly want to do. Well, I, I, I use Mattermost. I set up Mattermost server and use it all the time. It's, it's an excellent thing. And, uh, you know, Slack, whatever. Anyway. You want to come set up ours? Uh, <laughs> I might actually do that for you. We can, we, we can, talk uh, after. yeah, we can take, we can take that <laughs> offline. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's nice to hear that community contribution is encouraged. Um, I, the project is, uh, big. I know that. And, uh, I, I saw when I jumped into the new radio chat over there on IRC that there are lots of people in that chat. <laughs> um, but, can you, um, I don't know that you defined what your role is, if anything, specifically in GNU Radio. And, um, if you want to do that, you can. And can you, can you identify like the principles of GNU Radio at this point? Sure. Um, so just because I don't want to forget anybody and that there's about 10 of us, I'm going to pull up the page on the website. <laughs> That's uh, fair. That's entirely fair. <laughs> um, Reading from the website is one of our specialties. And we do it badly every time. www.gnuradio.org slash about slash organization. The GNU Radio Project, <laughs> I, we do have a formal leader, the president of the group, um, and that's Ben Hilburn, whose call sign I have forgotten. Um, and we have our official kind of community manager, who's Martin Brown, also licensed. Uh, and then we have the, the actual code maintainer who is marcus muller um and the three of them constitute you know really the the absolute core leadership of of the top of the project um so we we get to defer upwards whenever something truly impossible comes our way but then the the supporting officer pool is um nathan west andre rode uh bastian blussel myself uh nate temple philip ballister uh, Mark Lichtman and Josh Mormon, and we are all generically officers of the project. That's intentionally vague, and all that our officer status gives us is the login details to the website, GitHub, um, the, the granted authority to to self-organize whatever we want to do. So there's no, it's very very peer-to-peer. -peer. It's not very hierarchical at all. Um, we defer to Marcus when it comes to really big software changes, but I have merge access on master. It's, it's not that hard to get that. Um, you know, anybody who's been contributing good work for a couple of months and we've had a chance to talk to in, in Slack and stuff like that can, can definitely get um, rights into the project. I love how you're downplaying your GitHub cred. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to throw something out here just because. For, for no reason and i'm gonna i'm thinking this is going to be way more profound than it's actually going to be <laughs> um but do you know who david rowe is i do know who david rowe is no i haven't met him yet i i met somebody who's working with him uh, we have codec to support natively in tree in gnu radio oh cool well that sort of went exactly where i was hoping it would go <laughs> <laughs> you can run the very latest free dv stack with um Codec 2 using just an installation of GNU Radio. You don't need any additional libraries or modules. I mean, you need you need the libraries to build it and install it, but you don't need any other plugins or anything like that. Oh, very cool. <laughs> well, that went way better than I hoped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a really good moment on Twitter like a month ago or so ago when somebody very enthusiastically suggested that we add 
Codec 2 if we'd ever heard of it. And I'm like, entry for the last two years, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Very good. Do you have anything else, Bill, you want to bring up before I get to the, the last point we always bring up on these? The last point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always that last bullet point. It's the it's the catch-all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the stuff that we forgot to mention. <laughs> I'm just looking at uh, at the uh, the GitHub uh, repos, and of course we have um, there's recipes and there's etc. Uh, can you enlighten us a little bit about uh, what the recipes can uh, help people with? Uh, so the recipes is uh, we have a build system called Pi Bombs. Um, and it's a Python-based automated build system to uh, install GNU Radio on your, at this point, pretty much Linux-only system. Uh, and it'll either fetch a packaged version of GNU Radio or build it from source. It'll fetch all the dependencies. And then if you want to install one of these third-party modules, some of them are packaged in Debian and Ubuntu uh, and, and other distros, but a lot of them aren't. And so this will actually try and automatically fetch them, fetch their dependencies, and build them, and then handle rebuilding them if you ever update GNU Radio and stuff like that. It works most of the time on Debian <laughs> and Ubuntu. Um, on platforms like CentOS, it lags behind, simply because there aren't that many people running that who then contribute back to the recipes. So it, it bit rots. Um, it's one of those things where we either need to double down and fully support it, or we need to make it very clear that Pybombs uh, <laughs> may not be the most reliable thing on your system. This is possibly not the bomb, right? Possibly not the bomb. So it's kind of like a like a packaging system for uh, bringing in basically third party builds into your existing app. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you're familiar with compiling code, there's nothing in this ecosystem that is at all unsurprising. It's all CMake-based. Um, it's even increasingly fairly modern CMake. So it, it handles nice things. I have three or four versions installed on my computer, and they play nicely with custom prefixes and, and stuff like that. Um, but if you're not familiar with compiling code, then apt installing GNU Radio is definitely the way you want to go. <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a totally reasonable way of going. Um, yeah. Our Debian packager, uh, Maitland Bottoms, is fantastic, and he he keeps everything really up to date. And there's also, because uh, I know when I was messing around with this, uh, you guys also have a, uh, a PPA on Launchpad for GNU Radio, so people can get like a more up-to-date build than what's in the repo. Yes. Um, that, that's pretty well maintained because I know it gets updates quite often. It does. It does. Um, the reason why there's that tone in my voice is because <laughs> if you're using a PPA, it's because you don't want to you don't want to build it from source, but you want a more up-to-date version. But as soon as you install this newer version of packaged GNU Radio from the PPA, you now have to build every single out-of-tree module from source. So all these third-party plugins, you can no longer use the Debian packaged versions of them. Mm, okay. And we don't host all of those. We don't rebuild all those packages into our PPA linked against our PPA version of, a, of GNU Radio. So it's another one of those things where the right answer is probably to double down. And, <laughs> Your and mileage have, may vary, huh? Oh, so actually, uh, falling under this umbrella of 
things that we haven't mentioned yet that we absolutely need to. There is cgran.org. Um, uh, oh, yeah. We mentioned this before on the podcast. I remember this. And so this is, uh, I never spell it out. GNU Radio <laughs> Archive is, Network, because we mentioned yeah. it was just like CPAN and all the other ones. Yeah. Exactly. And and for people who are familiar with CPAN, that's that's absolutely the inspiration here. This is a list of all the third, well, all, many of the third-party plug-in modules. Um, when they were last updated, a brief description. Um, we're increasingly adding what versions of GNU Radio they're supported by. That's that's a feature that just got added in February, so uh, not many are tagged with that yet. But this is a great way of just browsing down, and like if you start scrolling, you very quickly start running across. Trying to think of some good ones here. Um, the FunCube uh, dongle Pro Plus is a commonly used by a lot of hams. Um, uh, HPSP uh, SDR, like the Hermes and Metis uh, and Red Bataya boards, the hardware driver for there is, is sitting in there. Um, AX25, if you want to do APRS. YSF, Yezu System Fusion, sits in there. AMB3000 using the Northwest Digital Radio dongle that we were talking about earlier, the hardware driver for that is in here. So you can just scroll down this list and basically find what people have been using. We should feature that more prominently. <laughs> Still you, Bill. I don't know what you're oh, waiting on what? me for. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting to see any comments. Yeah, I, I, I remember, like, yeah, we. It's, it's probably been a while that we mentioned that. It was on one of our short segment shows. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they have this thing. It must have been because there was an announcement. It was probably right after the GNU conference or something like that. Mm -hmm. Probably one of those timely things where it becomes more of a buzz when people are talking about it. <laughs> But um, yeah. yeah, so you're you're recommending not not to get the PPA unless you're heavy into experimenting with your own stuff. Um, and it looks like all these C uh, C grand packages are built against 18.04 and strangely enough 19.04, <clears throat> um, but not 19.10. I, I would assume originally they were staying with the LTS builds until someone decided to put 19.04 in there. <laughs> the GNU Radio PPA. The uh, oh the GNU uh, the sorry the GNU Radio Archive Network the uh, CGRAN. Um, you so you've clicked through to one of them. Yeah, I was just looking at the top where it lists the OSs that they are supporting. Oh, or... um, that's that's not automatic. Oh, that's that's oh, literally okay. just nobody's contributed a, a line to the website to <laughs> say what version is in nineteen ten. Oh, okay. Um, uh, just scrolling down through CGRAN, I just noticed like right up at the top there's a GR Iridium, so you're actually decoding satellite phones. My understanding could be very flawed here, but I think GNU Radio may have actually been used during that reverse engineering of, of Iridium. I think, it, I think it was used as the, the primary framework for reverse engineering, the Iridium sat phone network. <laughs> can you say that? Should, should oh, we can, strike it? From... <laughs> I, 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 I can say there, that. I have there's a project, it. There's a project, project called The Simple do with it. <laughs> People get to do all sorts of fun stuff. Um, farther down, um, possibly less, less. Uh, well, it's probably just as as contentious. There's, um, you may have run across Digital Speech Decoder (DSD). Um, that's a Linux application for decoding um, APCO P25, DMR, DSTAR, a bunch of other protocols like that. There's a wrapper for that down in here. 
I see that on the list, but we talked with uh, Andy Taylor, uh, MW0MWZ. He indicated to us, at least, when we were talking about Pi-Star, that D-Star and all those other things like P25 and DMR and YSF are, like, fundamentally different. So I was just wondering why that one was sort of rolled in together with the other ones, (laughs) because... So Digital Speech Decoder is a separate project that implements decoders for all these different uh, platforms. And so this is just a, a bridge between GNU Radio and DSD. Um, they, they chose to implement a bunch of them. They're not fundamentally different. They are incompatible, and they have, have some changes, but they're not... I mean, they're, they're all voice modes, so they all have codecs. A lot of them are using AMBE. I think possibly all of them are using AMBE in various flavors. They're all going to have a lot of commonalities between them. That may be a, just a shortcoming in my understanding, because he was talking about um, the ability of Pi-Star to uh, transcode between modes, but apparently being able to transcode between DMR and YSF is very easy to do, and the reverse is really easy to do, but to transcode between D-Star and anything is basically impossible. <laughs> He's probably talking about the the patent problem. So... The cool thing that you can do between D-Star and YSF and some of these other modes is they're all using the AMB voice codec, which without a patent, you know, or without, you know, licensing that patent, you can't decode and you can't encode. But you can definitely just grab the encoded data and repackage it um, from a D-Star packaging, a D-Star modulation, just extract the, the voice data, still encoded in AMB, and back up in YSF. Um, and transmit it out as Yezu System Fusion. And you've never touched the patented bit. You've just passed it through transparently. But then you have to have something that can actually take the encoded, the actual um, D-Star proprietary encoded thing and decode it, which... Would be somebody's radio, which has the licensed chip in it. Right. And I think that was the thing, because like YSF and DMR and P25 and NXDN they can just pass everything through exactly the way it is, and it's decodable, but D-Star, you'd ha- have to have the proprietary chip to do it or something. Something along those lines. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you wanted to get it out to narrowband FM, you know, your standard local repeater, you would actually have to unencode the AMBE, which you would need to buy one of the hardware dongles for to right. keep everything totally legal. Okay, well, kind of going far afield here, but that's... Yeah, we're wondering. <laughs> right. I mean, Off script for? here, yeah. There yeah. <laughs> first time ever, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, first time today. But, uh, so, have we have we tackled the... Is there anything you'd like to discuss that we missed uh, bullet point uh, appropriately, or is there anything else we need to address? I, I, I think we've done a pretty good job. I'm hoping... Well, pretty good coverage, anyways. I'm hoping I've done a good job. Um... I have, I give kind of really introductory talks fairly often, whether that's to groups of students here, or um, I gave one to a bunch of hams over in in Belgium um, a while back as part of the uh, FOSDEM open source conference. And I always post up all the slides from that up on my website. So folks are very welcome to, to go over and take a look at that. They may not be great without kind of accompanying video, but hopefully they're better than nothing. (laughs) <laughs> well, we need your website, because I don't think I have that as one of our links. Uh, com slash talks. All right. That will definitely be included. Yeah. Uh, please do go and install this. 
give it a try, run through the, the first tutorial just to learn how to connect things and, and the basic idea. Um, my, my pitch to people is always whenever I, I give a talk on this, I try and persuade at least half the audience to go out and buy an RTL SDR dongle, like 15 bucks. They are unbelievably worth it. And I mean, even if you never get into a lot of this stuff, it can just be really useful to be able to have a narrow band spectrum analyzer that you, know, you can see whether your rig is splattering all over the band. Um, and there's, there's tons of cool tricks you can run with it, but get an RTL dongle. They're super cheap. You know, try SDR Angel and stuff like that just to see how it works. And try GNU Radio and just try and demodulate a little bit of a signal yourself. Uh, it's it's really fun, and it's it's a lot like going down to a breadboard and trying to understand really how does how does a radio work, um, but without the inconvenience of a soldering iron. Well, I have one, so I probably it's been in a drawer for a little while, so I should probably take it out and actually and uh, use a new radio to to do something with it. Other well, now than... we know what the YouTube video is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit more than that, I hope. <laughs> so. All right. Well, this is where we usually just take a moment to throw it out to the chat and see if anybody has any questions for you. Um, stumpers, maybe, <laughs> uh, or just softballs. But if anybody listening has a question for Derek before we let him go, uh, please post them like soon <laughs> and maybe he can address those. And if not, we'll just move on. I see somebody typing. Oh, no, you can have a question. <laughs> somebody is typing. Somebody is typing. I know. I did have a quick question so, while we're here. Okay, uh, go for it. I, I I guess you didn't really touch on it too much, but uh, so what, what do you do uh, actively in ham radio? What is like your favorite uh, thing about ham radio? Um, so I have, I have uh, always enjoyed, like I said earlier, that the frequency is above one gigahertz. And for me, it's, I love the hardware. I love building and understanding the hardware. I so getting the job that I did building these software-defined radios was truly a, a great match for me. And and that just almost everyone in the office was was licensed. Um, Matt Edis, you know, maybe this is where we should have started with GNU Radio. GNU Radio was originally founded in two thousand and one. Um, Funded by John Gilmore, uh, W0GNU, uh, as as part of a legal challenge that he was putting together, and pretty much later that year, they set up a Guinea Radio mailing list, and and this guy started showing up on the mailing list, going, "Guys, we're we're building software here, but we we need some hardware to use this. We need a radio. Uh, please, somebody make a radio." And about a week later, he came back and said. Hey guys, I'm I'm building the radio. You all took too long, <laughs> uh, and that was that was Matt Edis, uh, N2MJI. So Edis Research and the USRP software-defined radios were originally founded to make hardware for hams and and home users using GNU Radio. Oh no, what was my original point here? Uh oh, uh -oh. <laughs> you've uh -oh. got off the rails like we usually do. Oh no, <laughs> you, you asked me a question. Um, yeah, I asked you uh, what was your favorite part of ham radio. Oh, like, yeah. what do you actually do actively <laughs> on the radio? So almost and, everyone in the office yeah. was licensed. Seriously, uh, go and look up Daniel Estevez's work. Um, he posted a blog today talking about the Oscar 100 satellite and just just positing the question of like, how can we make our own new new digital mode that 
operates with the lowest possible power, given specifically the problems of going over this satellite link. And I love that in amateur radio, that's that's actually the type of question that you can you can throw out and then start playing with. I'm sure in the same way that a lot of people, you know, sit and say, how many countries can I contact, uh, you know, in a 24 hour period? Testing like that's never floated my boat. Um, but the technical challenge side of it is is definitely been my favorite. And the community, um, probably first and foremost, the community, followed by the community working on these cool technical challenges. Awesome. Well, we did have a question in the chat room, and uh, this is from Don, KB2YSI. And he said, I might have missed it, but uh, are there many TX hardware platforms available? Yes, there are. Um, but there are very, very few that you might, that are perhaps what people imagine when they say, are there any transmitting radios that new radio has support for? Um there are things like the USRP software defined radio. The one that I, I heavily recommend to people these days is the Pluto SDRs from analog devices. They're about a hundred and fifteen dollars or so. And they're um full receive and transmit from fifty megahertz to six gigahertz RF frequency with like a ten megahertz bandwidth. Just an astonishingly good value for, for the functionality you get. But just the it's just that digital to analog bridge so it only puts out a couple milliwatts of power right so then you really need to put a filter on it and a power amplifier before you can go out to the antenna and expect to transmit something quite seriously um same thing on the receive side you really want to put maybe an lna definitely a, a bandpass filter on it but those definitely exist and they're i think very affordably priced in that sort of way um, there's nothing really cheaper than that that I'd actually recommend. There's definitely options for, um, oh no, what's it called? Uh, the, um, somebody took a, a, uh, USB three to VGA adapter and used it as a radio. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> and it works really quite well, actually. Uh, and so there's a great little PCB you can get that's a VGA uh, socket onto just a little uh, low-pass filter or band-pass filter out to SMA or BNC. It, it totally works. Um, but those aren't easy to get, and you're definitely preparing to shoot yourself in the foot if that's where you start. So I, I recommend the Pluto. Um, I have. Well, I... The club here, the university club here, just purchased a flex radio. And if I ever find, you know, a good solid week to work on this, it's my intent to add full GNU radio receive and transmit support. And that would give you 100 watts output. And that's much more what people generally imagine. There are some other SDRs that I haven't looked at nearly as much, stuff that like Tapper makes and um, some of the other, some other companies that are a bit smaller, make SDR-based radios that actually support this IQ streaming like I was talking about. Um, I don't know that any of those have good GNU radio support, but some of them certainly could very easily have it added. Long answer to a short question, but hopefully useful. <laughs> it works for me. All right. Well, I think, at least for tonight, I think we've gotten down as far as we want to deep dive into this <laughs> uh, before we start hearing heads explode. I'm not seeing any more questions in the chat, 
I have run out of questions for myself. I'm assuming Bill is in the same boat. <laughs> um, <laughs> we definitely want to have you back and put together a YouTube video that we can put on our channel that uh, sort of goes through some of this stuff that we've talked about tonight with visual aids. I'm sure that will help a lot. Uh, so we'll talk offline about that as well. Um, and I need you, if you would, to sort of stay on until we get uh, done with the show because i got to do something as far as audio processing. Uh, but with that, I want to mention the folks who are in the chat room tonight. We really appreciate them being here and listening. We had Tony, KM4HSD, Copy Lion, which I don't recall if we've ever found a call sign for him. I think he said no at some point, but hopefully someday. Uh, we also had Don, KBTYSI, Paul, KE5WMA, Ted, WA0EIR, Steve, K7HVT, and Tom, who was the instigator of this whole episode. And for hi, that's a James Brown lyric. And for HAI. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for, uh, for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for being here. It was very informative, and like I said, I hope to have a follow-up on this, and we'll have all of these resources that we mentioned. The list has grown and grown and grown as we've been talking, but all of that stuff, of course, will be posted in the show notes. We do have uh, one piece of feedback that we're going to read, and you're certainly welcome to hang around for that. But thanks, Derek, for being here. We really appreciate it. Um, we got a lot of information, and I learned way more about GNU Radio in this hour and a half than I have learned in my entire life up till now. Uh, well. Be thankful that you don't have another hour and a half. <laughs> so, um, Listeners might want another hour and a half. <laughs> hey, if the people want it, who are we to, to say no? Um, but uh, no, seriously, thanks for having me on. It's it's so much fun and you can probably tell, but I really, really love this project and I love it as an educational tool in amateur radio and in schools. And so I'm, I'm always happy. To chat about it and if any listeners have questions and stuff i'm on twitter it's just at derek kozell um and they you know come by the slack channel come by irc wherever and always happy to, to answer questions well that's fantastic not everybody puts themselves out there that way and hopefully it won't get abused or anything like that and you get inundated with a bunch of tweets about new radio but you're the one who put the information out there so we, <laughs> we uh we're signing off on it. <laughs> uh but anyway thank you so much for being here especially on short notice we really appreciate it and um before we get out of here we do have one piece of feedback we want to address and that is actually from weirdly enough a qsl card an actual paper qsl that came to me in the mail today uh, and it came from alex casey zero rel someone who i had an ft8 contact with on 20 meters not that long ago and in his qsl card he wrote a comment he said thanks for the contact i enjoy your podcasts wow what a surprise to hear that i contacted an actual listener <laughs> um he said he really uh, especially likes the grid tracker episodes and the weekenders Ooh. Oh, that is good to hear I really justification do. yes <laughs> we are now validated we can do weekenders forever <laughs> one uh, person likes them yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> as far as i'm concerned one is all it takes that's right uh, shack computer is a lubuntu desktop but he also runs a raspberry pi for portable ops so that's really cool. So thanks, Alex, KC0ROL, for sending me that. And, of course, my QSL card will be in the mail to you shortly. I really appreciate it. So that being said, we have come down to the end of the program. So we want to thank everybody for being here, for listening, uh, for 
for uh, subscribers who uh, support the show and just for anybody who downloads and listens because all this information is out there for you and we really hope this deep dive uh, helped you out with the GNU Radio Project and uh, we definitely want to thank Derek one last time for being here we really appreciate it and with that we're going to get on out of here this has been episode number 334 of linux in the hamshack i'm ross k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill any 4rd 73 listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamper. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.